Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. to celebrate any Minnesota Twins home run in winning games. Today, it's emotional because today we use the dong gong to celebrate a very specific kind of dong. A grand slam dong. And the beauty of it on Sunday sermons today, apologize for the Rather husky voice, Barrero and uh, Zach with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Today, the dong gong is used not only for a grand slam that pretty much sealed the Twins' efforts to return to the postseason and to do it as a division titleist, but also... The grand dong that sealed the St. Paul Saints on the very same night winning their first championship in, I believe, 15 years. Yeah. CHS Field last night, we defeat the Sioux City Explorers 6-3. to We sweep the best of five American Association finals. And that grand slam by Chesney Young turns a 3-1 deficit into 5-3 lead. Meanwhile, the Miguel Sano grand slam in the second game of the day-night doubleheader, what does that do? Well, it turns a 5-5 tie into a dramatic 9-5 lead which ultimately becomes a 9-5 to victory and ultimately concludes the day-night sweep of the, of the doubleheader of the Cleveland Indians, meaning that your Twins are as good as in. The division lead now 5.5. 
Magic number, uh, that includes six on the loss side. Magic number reduced to single digits. Nine. Rarely have we seen in such short order. Maybe within minutes of each other, I don't know. I haven't checked the times on the two uh, grand dongs. The power of the dong. The power of power. Home run power. And um, if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, if you're a Saints fan, you're you're probably still celebrating. Of course, you could have heard any of those games on uh, our sister station, 96.7 FM, the plus. If you are a Minnesota Twins fan, it should have been a hell of a day yesterday. Because I think there were a lot of people getting a bit nervous about the Twins. In fact... I, to me, the, the one of the more overrated aspects of the um, the washout Friday night was that it killed us more than it killed Cleveland because they still had starters in place and we had nothing. But it also, I think what was left out was it washed out Cleveland being able to use the guy who started Friday night's game, Savali, I think is his name. And... I think you can make the argument that it actually worked to that extent, even though it also washed out Odo, in the Twins' favor. Regardless of whatever measuring stick you want to use about whether it's going to be harder or easier, the fact is the Twins went into that series appearing a bit shaky. And this was obviously going to be Cleveland's last stand. And if at the end of the day you come away with winning both ends of the doubleheader, you have succeeded it almost doesn't matter what takes place this afternoon although i i'm actually a little disappointed that we have apparently as a result of winning the both games chosen to hold barrios back give him an extra day of rest and the thinking is he was originally going to start today he's no longer i believe the starter or the scheduled starter and the thinking is We give him an extra day. We're all about trying to make him be as rested as possible for the postseason. Now that we're pretty much assured of of being there. I think we have, um, is it 14 games left? Yes, it's 14 games left. And that includes, of course, three with the White Sox and then 10 to finish the season with the Tigers and the Royals. I still would have preferred boot on the throat go for the the sweep today. And frankly, I wanted to see Barrios against Cleveland. I'm not saying get greedy. I'm just saying I don't hold him back. Put him out there. If you were going to put him out there, put him out there. Is one day really going to make that big of a difference here down the stretch? I don't know. But the Twins have every reason to feel very good about themselves today. The bullpen in game one, I think it was five relief pitchers, did the job. The Cleveland Indians hit. We had a little bit of good fortune in the first game. I'm not going to lie to you. We had um, Indians hit hit several balls on the screws, as they say in the business, that were hit right at people. And you could argue that the key moment of the entire day was in the, was it the third inning? Bases loaded. 
two outs for Cleveland and Santana with, I believe, a full count. Scorches, just absolutely lashes a line drive towards the shortstop. And Polanco made a very nice play on it. If you think about it, if that ball gets through, who knows how the entire day changes. It could have changed everything. But they got it. Bullpen did the job. Polanco set the tone in game one. And by the way, between games, apparently a little shot by Clevenger who gave it up. Did you guys see that or read that today? StartTribune.com, Phil Miller. Asked afterward whether Clevenger was surprised by Polanco's homer. The 28-year-old right-hander cracked. I mean, after last year, are you surprised? The assumption is that Clevenger was referring to Polanco's 80-game suspension in 2018 for failing a steroids test. What did Polanco do? Filed it away. What did he do in Game 2 after filing it away? (laughs) About three more hits. How about, you could argue, really, the bigger hit, even before what set up the Sano Grand Slam. He doubles off the wall, and that ties the game. You can always argue that the clutchest hit is the one where you're trailing. Twins were trailing 5-4 at that point. That tied it. Very close to a home, another home run for Polanco. That made it 5-5, and then we get the, uh, the grand dong from Sano. Just destroyed that ball as well. By the way, we were down 5-2. to two. In game two. Scored the next seven runs unanswered to win it nine to five. And even in game two, it was a combo platter of a number of pitchers who indeed uh, get it done. And so the uh, Twins, it's got to be one of the better days. For regular season baseball, it's got to be one of the better days in Twins history. Given, like I said, the situation, the series you had just come out of, the woe is us injury theme, and, you know, where's our rotation? And the one pitcher, one of the pitchers we have in our rotation gets washed out on Friday. You know, that that's the funny thing. Like, Odorizzi said Friday night, well, this is going to hurt... This washout is going to hurt us more than it hurts them because of our starting uh, situation. Almost as if it was bad luck and a bad break. No, I looked at it differently. I said, well, it's not the Indians' fault that your rotation's a mess and that one of your guys got caught cheating. Pineda. That's not Cleveland's problem. That's that's what we call in the business a self-imposed impediment. But to their credit, Twins planted their feet. Refused to feel sorry for themselves, at least in the way they played. Carved out a pair of victories. And again, in a season that has been dominated by more than anything else, the dong. In both games, they use the dong to set the tone or to offer a 
an exclamation point of a punctuation mark. I don't know how it gets any better than that. Yeah, we all are aware of the postseason concerns about who you trust in this rotation. And the news, not particularly good, about Sam Dyson. The assumption now is, like Byron Buxton, he's headed for shoulder surgery. Maybe we don't need Dyson. Tyler Duffy continues to um, pitch awfully well. Romo has been crafty and effective. Taylor Rogers has been crafty and effective. And um, we'll see. I Look, I, I, I still would go into the postseason with the obvious concerns, especially about Barrios as your number one guy. That's why I kind of wanted to see him face Cleveland today and, and, and put the final nail in the coffin of the Indians. Just go out there and throw another seven shutout innings and win it, I don't know, four to one or four to, well, yeah. I'll take four nothing, but let's say even you get somebody. One of the bullpen guys gives up a run afterwards. I would have liked to have seen it. But yesterday, I think, was a day to not necessarily worry about what might be coming later and just savor that at the moment of truth, when there were a lot of people, I think, if not saying it out loud, kind of grumbling and mumbling about, oh man, this is I don't know, Cleveland wins. Cleveland sweeps the two-game Saturday. This thing could get pretty interesting pretty fast, even with the schedule on the back end. Now that's gone. Division race is, as I said, um, effectively done. And the Saints got in on finding out the power of the dong with a grand slam to win. Were you there, by the way, Halvey? Were you, did you, were you at the game, and then if you were, did you... Did you run onto the field to be part of the celebration? I couldn't make it, but I definitely would have you stormed would have, the field. You? Of yes. course. I mean, that's the, the best best thing I've seen in Minnesota baseball history in my 24 years of life. Well, that's yeah. you, you missed a couple <laughs> things that took place before that, but right. I get your point. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, fun. It was a fun uh, fun afternoon and evening of, of baseball. And, and Absolutely. I, and, and, and you just think about how devastating of a weekend this was for, for Indians fans who had any hope. Oh. Yeah, and and they had hope by that place was sold out uh, last night, and it was looking good for them, and uh, and the Twins just uh, would would not quit, and got the bats going, and and the dongs going, and and now they're in a prime position to to get the sale Central clinched. The um, and it's interesting because the crowd for the first game, even though it wasn't packed there, the crowd was primed when Santana stepped to the plate. And the Twins were holding on to that early 2 nothing lead. And when his line drive got caught, it seemed as if they all just kind of went away and said, oh, my God, what just happened? And there were, like I said, later in the game, several other balls that uh, Cleveland uh, hit on the nose. And um, they seemed to find Twins fielders' gloves on almost every occasion. But what was impressive is you finish that game off, you hold them off, whether by a combination of luck and or skill. You find yourself down three, and maybe even at a point where you go, okay, well, it's just going to be a split. Cleveland's going to get this second one. And you, you, you fire back. 
and then you fire back in the most dramatic way uh, possible. I've been here for 87. I was here for 91, and there were some very memorable regular season moments. There's no question. But what has made this, I think, in its own way, aesthetically pleasing as much as those two regular seasons, and maybe even more in some ways, is that it starts with this ability to hit the ball like we've never seen a Twins team hit it. it it's um, it's such a remarkable, I guess you could say, uh, contrast with what we've seen historically. Now, the 87 t- Twins team did have three uh, hitters who hit 30 home runs, so it wasn't like we never saw the home run. But after that, really, um, this this team became little engine that could piranhas for a while, the occasional home run. But we were more about get let's 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 piece together four, five, six hits, a single here, a double there, another single, and the occasional home run. Um, and you were basically you were in line for a statue if you if you resolutely showed the willingness and the ability to go to the opposite field. And not worry so much about powering the ball. That's the contrast. This year is about powering the ball. And they've done it with success virtually from the start of the season to as late as game two last night. That's got to be fun if you're a Twins fan to be in on the home run derby as opposed to spectators as we were during largely during the steroid era. 800-320-5326, toll-free, 651-989-5326. We've got um, a lot of other items to get to. It's Packer Week. This is the culmination of Packer Week. Noon start on the fan, 10 o'clock pregame on our flagship. I want to talk Vikings-Packers, and I want to talk. I want to ask a simple question as we go to break. As a former Timberwolves official... Once said at the end of a victory, in front of a an adoring crowd, as he stood up from the bench and looked down the scorer's table to a certain media member seated at said bench or along said table, what's wrong with winning? And sisters, this is Sunday Sermons with Dan Barrero on the fan. Can I get an This is the fan. Got a, a couple tweets last night from people responding to some of my uh, twins tweets celebrating the sweep. They said, "Be careful, Dan. If you're not careful, uh, you're going to come off as being positive." I got no problems being positive when there's a reason to be positive. This ain't no conspiracy against positivity. Twins delivered yesterday. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I like when teams. Get in with a statement. They don't meander in, but they face the challenge in front of them, in this case, a team chasing them, that 
desperately needs to win at least two of the three, and really probably all three. And you stare him down with not really the best of pitching matchups by any means, and you find a way to grind out a couple of victories. That's, to me, the way to do it. That's the way to um, make this a culmination of a been a been what's been a very good season, despite its, some of its trials and tribulations. I was asking about the uh, the timing of the two critical dongs hit last night. One grand slam in Cleveland, Ohio by Miguel Sano. And the other hit last night at CHS Field in St. Paul by Chesney Young. Our guy Stephen, who uh, has contributed to this program for many years, was at CHS Field last night, sitting in row two. Apparently he's got some picks at his secondary Twitter handle. He's got two, apparently. A little more expensive, but well worth it. R-F-F-I-S-H scores. On the timing of the dongs, every other guy in Myro seemed to have their phone out monitoring Twins Indians. But for some reason, mine was keeping up a little faster than the others. I saw the Sano Grand Slam first, told those around me, and the news seemed to ripple out from me through the whole section like a wave of happiness bumping through the crowd, even though the Saints were behind at the time. The Saints' own Grand Slam happened about 30 to 40 minutes later when their game reached the sixth, and the Explorers starter got over 75 pitches and seemed to tire as he suddenly couldn't find the admittedly very strange-shaped strike zone. Walk two. There was a single in there somewhere, too, adding up to a bases loaded jam. Sioux City changed pitchers, and then Chesney Young hit his Grand Slam. Similarly, Sano got his off of a new reliever. Bit unusual in that the ball went over the yellow line but rattled back onto the field of play, and everybody played on as if it were still in play. Young stopped at second with what at first looked like a bases-clearing double. That still would have given the Saints a 4-3 lead. Then one of the base umpires came in and signaled it was a home run, and Young went on to circle third and touch home to a raucous, raucous, I say, celebration. A uh, home plate umpire had the weirdest strike zone I've seen this season. I've been to 120, 125 different baseball games at levels from Junior Legion to Cubs Brewers at Wrigley. Um, again, I have some pics and video at the Twitter handle, which includes a guy in the front row dressed like a cat trying to distract the Sioux City pitcher. So there you have it. Twins fans are welcome to call and uh, give me their view of what they saw yesterday. As I said, you know the numbers by now, but I'll remind you of them. 651-989-5326 or 800-320-5326. Vikings fans are welcome to call. Packers fans are welcome to call. Golden Gopher football fans are welcome to call. Georgia Southern football fans, if you're still in town licking your wounds, saying to yourself, how in the hell did we not win Yesterday afternoon at the original bank, you're free to call. Bradshaw and Brian Inbox is another way to reach us. Booth at KFAN.com. Booth at KFAN.com. The old saying goes, you never apologize for a victory, and you don't. Golden Gophers are undefeated through the first three games of the young season. Still on pace to start 8-0, and as I have predicted. And quite frankly, if you look at what else has been going around on in the Big Ten, you say, I'm not sure it's going to be 
all that much tougher when we get to the Big Ten schedule, at least to several teams who are already a mess. Purdue is a complete mess. My Purdue Boilermakers are a disaster. They got injury issues. They got destroyed by TCU yesterday, last night. Fighting a line, I lost to one of the, was it either, was it Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, or Western Michigan? Will you double check? It was one of the directional Michigans that uh, Lovey and the Beard lost to. Eastern Michigan Eastern Eagles. Michigan. Although Eastern Michigan, I think they've beaten a Big Ten team each of the last three years, I believe. Which might say more about those Big Ten teams than it really does Eastern Michigan, but you get my point. I don't know how the Gophers did it again. I, I don't. I, I I watched it. I was as flummoxed and gobsmacked as anybody. They're skilled people at the moment of truth with significant talent advantages because of the level they're supposed to be playing at, the level of football they're supposed to be playing at, compared to the teams they've played the first three weeks, did in the end rise up. But I don't know how anybody with a straight face looks at the way the Gophers have won these games and almost lost these games and said, we're on our way. By the way, I've read via Twitter a few people say, well, you, it's baby steps. It takes takes time to, to, to get there. and so First, you have to learn how to win these kinds of games. Gophers have been winning in the cream puff part of the non-conference schedule for a long time. That's not the idea. This is where P.J. Fleck has been brilliant. Because P.J. Fleck has convinced people that when he walked in this door, this he was inheriting a team that was routinely going one and eleven, or I don't know however many number of games we were playing then one and ten, and never won a Big Ten game. He made it sound like we were starting over. We were not starting over when PJ Fleck got here. We had issues, especially at quarterback, but we were not starting over. Beyond that, if you're a believer in the game being won and lost in the trenches. I don't know how you can be feel good about this team in the trenches right now. Maybe it won't matter against Purdue, because Purdue's a mess. Got that advantage. But eventually, one would assume that it's going to start rearing its head. Line of scrimmage is a major issue that has been ongoing for several games. The size of this offensive line is supposed to give us a built-in advantage to just muscle people at the line of scrimmage and just overpower them and grind them into submission. We didn't grind them into the submission. In fact, the breakdowns in the offensive line, you could argue, is part of the reason the Gophers were in as vulnerable positions as they were and needed to do what they needed to do to, to win the game down the stretch in dramatic fashion again. You had the uh, late first half, fourth and one, at the Gophers' 34. Controversial decision by the head coach to go for it. I think we were up eight at that point. Bryce Williams stuffed at the line of scrimmage. In fact, I think he may have lost yardage. Regardless, we didn't get the first down. That allowed, um, who were we playing, Georgia Southern? 
get the ball back and drive and score right before the buzzer. And then you have, leaving aside, let me see if I can find the tweet I had here from uh, our guy Andy Greeter. Hang with me. Got it here somewhere. This was uh, filed at 549, so I don't know how much the numbers change the rest of the way, but it gives you a sense of it. Gophers' offensive line has allowed five sacks and ten tackles for lost yards to Georgia Southern of the Sun Belt Conference. I would have added to that tweet the team that was able to beat the main Black Bears by eight. Eagles have held Minnesota to 1.9 yards per carry. You got a chance again to put the game away when they give you the gift. Not to be uh, confused with the gift we got in uh, who do we play in our first preseason game? Second was Fresno State. Who do we play in our first preseason? Oh, the Jackrabbits. Correct. Remember that fumble? That gift that basically gave us the ball in scoring position? This gift was going to allow us to cement the victory. We took over first and ten at the Georgia State or Georgia Southern twenty six. Gonna put the game away. We face third and one at the eighteen. Hand the ball to Bryce Williams. What's he do? Loses a yard. Can't get the first down again. You have to be able to get the first down to end the game. We didn't. So then we have to settle for three, and we feel pretty good about our young kicker. But it gets blocked, returned for a touchdown, rest is history. Offensive line is not close to being at the level it's supposed to be at in the conference in which we uh, toil. Can't say that much more about the better about the defensive line and the explosive plays that once again we gave up against a one-dimensional offense that wasn't even starting probably their best quarterback. So once again, is basically three touchdown favorites or close to it. We got to steal it late. And yeah, I when we're when we're facing third and what was it? Was it third and twenty nine? Third and thirty. Is it third and thirty? Yeah. I'm saying you're done. You're at the you're the you're in the you're at your own six. And without any question, probably the key play was the third down play. Was it Demetrius? Who was it? Was it Douglas? Who was it who got the the catch? That I'll double check it. I thought it was that's who it was. Um that didn't get the first down, but made it fourth and makeable. I think he got like 22 of the yards back. So it made it fourth and makeable at that point. That Correct. was probably, the, 11, probably the key play yeah. right there. Because, I mean, you know, if you're fourth and still 22, you, there's not many plays for, the, for that. So, you know, yeah, we're in this weird quandary where you you don't ever apologize for, for victories, but you see what you see, and you go... And I said, look, okay... I'll give you two. I'll, I'll be nice, and I'll give you not one, but two mulligans on, you know, um, finding a way to win against inferior competition when it shouldn't have been that close. I'll give you two mulligans, but one of the three, you got to dominate somebody, and this was the one you were really at home supposed to dominate, and you didn't come close to dominating it again. 
I'm not as offended by other people as other people by the um, Gophers' decision, the head coach's decision to go for it on fourth down. I know what he was trying to do there with Bravado. The uh, timeout he called on the extra point was bizarre. That didn't make a whole lot of sense, I think, to to a lot of people. So, you know, um, celebrate it all you want. Please, though, don't pretend that it's very rare and unusual for any coach at the University of Minnesota to start 3-0. and we, We've done that a lot, actually. And sometimes we've even done it against better competition, one could say. But what would bug me, the skill guys look great, the receivers look unstoppable, the quarterback is in and out, but when he's had to make the plays late, he's made them. I would be concerned if you're a meat and potatoes guy, just say, what's going on with the... I mean, you set the tone where at the line of scrimmage, and we haven't done that in a single game yet. I know we've lost a lot of running backs to injury, but it's not supposed to matter against teams like this. It's just not. This is supposed to be a, a jump up in class, and we're not at any point dominating. And when we got the third and one or the fourth and one, we're not blowing anybody off the ball at all. That would be the uh, concerning aspect of it. I guess you could say better to have these issues when you're 3-0 and because technically you're still on pace for my prediction. 8-0, I can't tell you I feel great about that holding up, but then who do we play? Is it Purdue next? Is our first Big Ten game at Purdue? It is at Purdue, yes. Yeah, and Purdue, like I said, Purdue's a mess. Now, they may be looking for their own form of revenge based on the way we we destroyed them last year here. I think a few people brought that to my attention. But um, I guess that's the upside to it. Maybe you don't have to get that much better, but I still feel like you're going to have to get better if you're going to uh, take this so-called next step. we got one more break to get in. We have a time for maybe a call or two and some emails. Booth at KFAN.com. That is the Bradshaw and Brian inbox, 800-320-5326 or 651-989-5326. Maybe a little Vikings-Packers last second, last minute thoughts on what you might expect today. I'm very much looking forward to this matchup today. I think the weather's supposed to be good. And um, it's a nice early season matchup between two teams off to very nice starts. So we'll try to squeeze that in as well. If you are listening on uh, 100 or at two 100.3 FM, the 100,000 watt juggernaut, kind of our flagship station, pregame show will start at 10. If you're a member of the Vikings radio network, but maybe not listening via the fan, probably might start at 11 for you. Kickoff schedule just past high noon. I think the weather, there had been a slight chance of rain, but I think it's all good in Green Bay. And what popped up via the Twitter? A sideline photo of the Purple Cheeses. Number four, Brett Favre, is in Green Bay for today's game. I, it was inspiring. Just look, he's, he looks like he's in shape. Looks like you grab a football and throw it re- basically right through the, uh, the hands of Troy Williamson or any other receiver who's not capable of catching it. 
He still looks good to me. I don't know if he's there. I believe they're honoring Bart Starr uh, at halftime, uh, his legacy. So I don't know if he's a part of that or he was coming anyway, but number four. Apparently now welcome back in Green Bay. I knew there was it was going to take a little time to get through all that baggage for Green Bay fans, but he's there. Take a couple phone calls, starting with Andrew in Detroit Lakes. Andrew, you're in the fan. Welcome. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. It sounds like uh, by the by the sounds of your voice, you were the one that was storming the field. That it might have been. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm not admitting to. Is I, I was doing a little shouting and screaming, slapping people on the back. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, that's just like you to do something like Correct. that. Correct. Um, I'm glad you touched on the Brios thing for today. I think that was, that could be a little overlooked. Um, He's coming off of a good start. He had the opportunity to put the nail in the coffin and kind of step on their necks with today. Um, what better way to do it in Cleveland with what's supposed to be your number one guy that hasn't been your number one guy this season? Um, like I said, coming off a good start. So I thought they should tow him out and stop coddling him. And, and if he's ready to go and he's healthy, he should be out there and put the nail in the coffin rather than going for another reliever day that I think we, we undoubtedly kind of got lucky with. Um, yes. They pitched well, there's no doubt about it, but... It's very unexpected. The odds aren't in our favor in that sense. So I want to see. I wanted to see Barrios out there today, rather than just, uh, saving him for some cupcakes for the rest of the year and going into the postseason like that. But with the purple today, it's a big day. I think we pull out the W. Um, I'm a purple homer. I drank the Kool Aid myself, admittedly. So I'm expecting our pressure to get there. I'm expecting some uh, different things from Zimmer from a blitz perspective that Rogers hasn't seen. And um, my hope is that they don't give him those running lanes that he traditionally gets against us to be able to scramble and get those down the field plays. I don't think, yeah, thanks for the phone call. I don't think you have to be uh, drinking the Kool-Aid to, to to believe that. I think there's reason to believe that that's indeed the case, that if the the, the Vikings defense of the four um, probably has the least to prove. Um, although I've said I want to keep my pressure up on them, as I did before the season, to be great this year. Not merely good but to be great, and that's why I'm looking forward to this matchup against a Packers team that I still don't think feels like it's, it gets whatever this new offense is, uh, and and what, that maybe don't if, if they even if they understand it, they don't know how to execute it. Um, they did not look great offensively in the opener, albeit against a really good defense as well. Um, on Barrios, the ball guys may come back with a very intricate set of um, analytics that say. There's a specific reason that the Twins decided to hold him back, maybe even in terms of the calendar and setting things up later. But my feeling is, uh, as was established earlier in the show, and and I think Andrew has pretty much agreed with it, is that it it comes off a little bit like, well, we had that last start was good. Um, let's not let, let's let's let him go against an inferior team, hold him back for an inferior team. And um, not have to face the possibility that he's going to get jolted today. I don't know. I mean, you're, he's your number one starter. He was uh, uh, presumably in the rotation for today for a reason. I understand that the two victories gives you a little bit more rope, but I, it's difficult for me to believe that one more day on what's the date? Are we even to September fifteenth? It is September fifteenth today. Is going to make all that difference to me? It's a better, bolder statement to make. No, he's due to pitch Sunday. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can, whether the division's won or not, let's finish this thing. And more importantly, let's have him pitch well. Let's gain confidence from pitching well against a division rival and still a very good team. That that would be 
my what I would prefer. I was very disappointed when I heard that that change was made. I mean, the the, the Twins are saying, in fact, the quotes from Baldelli was like, we're not celebrating. We're just going preparing for the next game. Nothing's been established. And nothing's changed. Well, obviously a lot changed because you changed the rotation. So you obviously think something's changed. I would have preferred to just throw him out there and see what he could do against a good team and say, we got all, all the confidence in the world. This is our guy. He, he, he took an, a significant step. This could help us take another step. By the way, your guy Gratterall um, was very good in the second game. I think he pitched two innings, and I believe he set the record for velocity on the clock at least. Was it a pitch at a 101.9 miles per hour? Did you see that stat? Wow. I don't know how. Maybe they got a, they got a quick radar gun in Cleveland. I'm not sure. But I thought I read 101.9, which would be pretty nice, right, if it could actually help be be a part of the deal for this club somewhere down the road. Excuse me, 100.4. No, that was his first pitch. A sinker measured at 100.4. I thought he went over, even over that. Yeah, 101.9 uh, that was fouled off. Fastest recorded pitch ever thrown by a twin. A multiply faster than Jackrabbit guy. You're on the fan. Hello. Hey, good morning, Dan. Good morning. Um, sorry, I haven't called up sooner about the Jackrabbits. It's I've been kind of in a in a funk right now. Yeah. Since they didn't, didn't beat the beat the Gophers. But yeah, I I did go to the um, uh, Jackrabbit game, and I also went to the Georgia Southern game yesterday. And I I kind of agree with you that the uh, the old line for the the Gophers is. They're having some tough times right now. And by the way, I didn't have a problem with that fourth down call towards the end of the first half with that with that line and to get a half yard. Yeah, you, you know, you, you got to get it. And yes. I, I had absolutely no problem with that call. Yeah, you should. Now you could say, given that you're using, you know, a lot of your running backs are already out. Your your alleged most established running backs. You could say, well, is this the time? Maybe discretion is a better form of valor. But um, no, I I wasn't as offended by by that as as other people. Not a, it was not a good sign. You couldn't get it, that's for sure. And you couldn't get it, as I said, at the end of regulation or late in regulation after their uh, very generous turnover, where you got a chance to put the game away. Uh, it, it indicates they got they got some line issues. One of the things I want to talk about with Guardsy tomorrow too is whether they have um, some predictability issues, even within um, the passing game, except for when they're desperate. It's like it seems like they got like two or three plays. So I uh, appreciate yeah, you know the thing is too is that you know the thing with that line the line's going to make the back look good and it should you know, they got they got to do that it should thanks for the call unfortunately we're a little late on time uh, uh, Jack multiply faster than Jack Rabbit Sky because it's a one hour edition of uh, sermons tomorrow we will obviously review Vikings Green Bay more on the Gophers uh, more on what a what a what a I guess you could say run for our guy Ricky Rubio. Did you see what he did? Yeah, gold medal yeah. controversy. FIBA, and not only that, uh, basically played the game, the, ser- the series of games of his life, and we didn't need him. Disgusting. It's sad. It's what it is. Vikings pregame is coming up next, and a whole full day of football on the fan. Enjoy the action. As I said, we'll talk to you tomorrow, beginning at uh, three o'clock, right here on what we affectionately call the fan.
Did your fantasy football team do well this week? Or are you bumming over the results from the last game? Well, Devani's is here for you. Celebrate the wins and even the losses with the happiest of happy hours. How it works? Devani's happy hour is every day from 3 to 6 p.m. And when you dine in, get amazing discounts. $2 off beer or wine where available and half off shareables. Seriously, Devani's garlic cheese bread? Do we need to say more? Stop by your local Devani's today. Devani's Pizza and Hot Hoagies. Local 